3617, respond to report of shots fired. The Coroner Talk podcast takes you behind the scenes with coroners, clinicians, and death investigators from around the world to provide training, news, and interviews from leading experts in the area of death investigation and scene management, bringing real stories and solid training together in one source. Now, here's your host, Darren Dake. Well, hello and welcome to this week's episode of Coroner Talk. Again, still the only podcast in iTunes dedicated to the men and women working the field of death investigation and supporting roles. You know, I, this isn't just about coroners and medical examiners. It's about 911 dispatchers, paramedics, firemen, police officers, authors, playwrights, movie producers, the stay-home housewife, mom, CEO of the house people. It's for everybody. It's for everybody that works the field of death investigation, is interested in the field of death investigation, or quite honestly, just has a little curiosity as to our field. Because the more curiosity we have to our field, then again, the better we become because more questions get asked. So we are dedicated to the people working death investigation from all angles and all roles. And that's what I do. My job has been to uh, help educate and train. In fact, I had an interview today uh, with a, I don't know what his title is, uh, so he talks to people for possible reality shows. So I don't know what you would call him. But anyway, fantastic guy. And he was asking me what got me into this business. And I have to admit that, you know, I kind of know that, but it's hard to maybe put those into words. But I enjoy it. Now, I don't enjoy that your loved one died. I don't enjoy that someone has hurting and has pain and suffering. I don't enjoy that at all. But I enjoy the work. I, I enjoy the whodunit. I enjoy the medical side along with the legal side. I, I was spent many years as a detective and a and coroner investigator, and I still do both. So I enjoy it. Plus, you know, I can do it. I can be down in the mud and the blood, and it doesn't af- affect me like it would somebody else. There's a lot of people that obviously they don't want to be around dead people or be around all that muck. So and many of you out there are the same way. So I just enjoy the work. But then above that, I enjoy teaching. I love to teach. And, of course, being a part of Death Investigation Academy, uh, being the director of that has really, really been fascinating uh, with the online training, with the classroom training, moving into the new facility. It's just it's just fantastic because I love to teach and I love the interaction uh, because a lot of the teaching that, that I do is conversational as well. And, and you know, I, yeah, I'm, I'm given the topic that we're talking about, maybe gunshot injuries and we have a classroom setting. But I hear from those people. I hear from the students as to some of their situations and some things they've seen. And we all learn. So I love the networking. I just love this business. I, I, I love the business of death investigation and I love the world of death investigation and I love the people in death investigation. And, and you listen to me right now. I love you, man. I love you, gal. You are great. You are awesome. I'm glad you're a part of this community. And I want to invite you that anything I can do to help you, I get a lot of questions and emails. I answer them absolutely as quickly as I can. If you have a question about um, getting a job in the field or going forward or education or, or quite honestly anything, Drop me an email. I'll be glad to answer that and help you in any way I can. So today's topic. So today we're talking to Anita Brooks. Uh, You know, Anita has been on the show before. Me and her uh, co-authored this last book, uh, Code. 
and she's a common trauma expert. Well, today we're going to talk about Blue Monday, and and I want you to listen to the whole show because it's not just about the uh, you know the third Monday of the year being a time we all get a little depressed and blue. And this isn't some wishy washy wah wah show. All right, so don't don't tune out and say, yeah, I'm not going to listen to that girly stuff. It ain't about that. Um, and I even point that out. But towards the end of the show, we really start hitting home with some. Uh, you know, some things about addictions, uh, some sexual addictions, some things about uh, dealing with the loss of, of children. I mean, there's a lot we deal with, okay? And so stick around. It actually, the conversation went a direction that I didn't really expect it to go, and it turned out to be fascinating conversation. So it is rather long. There's a lot that we discuss. And so without any further delay, let's jump right now into the conversation I had with Anita Brooks. Adjust your earbuds, turn up those speakers, and hang on. It's now time for this week's featured conversation. All right, and joining me in the studio today, again, another rare treat like we had a few weeks ago, actually in the studio live, Anita Brooks. Anita, welcome to the show today. Thanks, Darren. Great to be here. So we're going to talk about Blue Monday, and of course, you know, that's not completely about blue lives matter or police but it's it's about blue like i'm feeling blue and it's about our psychology a little bit so uh, explain to us what blue monday is and then let's kind of wade into this thing well blue monday is this phenomenon where about the third monday in january it seems like people begin to feel that accumulation of things that pile up and can really bring their mood down so for instance, you know, you've come off the high of the holidays, uh, maybe the bills are rolling in, you know, especially if you charged a lot of the the gifts that you gave to other people. Um, it's usually colder in a lot of areas. So people tend to stay inside more. And there is a greater increase of like flus and colds and, and things of that nature. So you put all that together with lack of exercise, people tend to eat more comfort foods that weigh them down, then you just end up with that accumulating effect where people are more melancholy. So there's a greater increase of depression and things like that. And it's really interesting because it's something that we see at least across um, the U.S. Now, I believe in secondary traumatic stress, PTSD. I believe, of course, in the effects of what this job has on us as death investigators, police, EMS, 911 dispatchers, things like that. And and I understand that is real. But Come on, Blue Monday. I mean, why the third Monday in January happens to be a day that I feel more depressed? I mean, is that is that real science or or where is this coming from? It's become a, the last few years very popular, but I don't know. Is that too frou frou? Or kind of give me some background of why I should believe that. Well, I think there. Yeah, it's interesting. It's not just a phenomenon in the United States either. I mean, there are studies that have been done, like in New Zealand and. Um, uh, the UK, United Kingdom, and and places like that around the globe. But there does seem to be something to this Blue Monday. And again, I think it's the accumulating effect of all the, like a recipe, you put all the ingredients together, and then it's going to end up with this outcome. So again, you know, you're not getting the exercise. And, and I think specifically for those who work in emergency services fields, you know, you think about the increase of, um, 
the impact, say, for like a house fire. I know in our area, we've had several house fires. Well, you know, a house fire is tragic any time of the year. But where we're located, Darren, in Missouri, we have had, you know, sub-zero temperatures. We have had like these Arctic winds that are coming through. So think about this. Not only have you potentially lost your home, but right now you're also dealing with the impact of the weather. And that does, that physical um, effect does then in turn do something to us internally. So, you know, our emotions, our mood, all of that is impacted in a negative way when we have not only the original tragedy, but then we have to deal with negative weather as well. Well, and one of the things that I had pre-read about this is kind of what you mentioned earlier was the third Monday being like after the holidays, you kind of mentioned that, but friends and family and of course it's busy and we have all this going on and and then all of that fun and excitement kind of then stops and so you're, you're kind of grown, thrown back into the, into the normal routine maybe maybe similar to going on a, on a nice two-week vacation it, the vacation is is nice uh but then you have to go back home in reality and reality um a lot of times sucks and so you certainly your mood changes you know it's great for two weeks and then things are different when it gets back to normal. Is that kind of what we're looking at as well? Is it the hype of the season, uh, the cold weather, whatever it may be? And, of course, some parts of the country that this time of the year is warm, but uh, parts of the world. But is, is, is that kind of what causes this? Well, I, again, I think it's a myriad of things. I think it's physical, emotional, mental. I think they all come together. So, for instance, um, this time of year, typically, at least here in the U.S., we have a decrease in the amount of sunshine. Well, vitamin D, which we get from sunshine, exposure to the sun, actually is decreased in us during these months. And so vitamin D is one of those things that actually helps boost and lift the mood. So that's one of the physical factors involved. But yes, there's also the letdown mode. So it's very true. You know, we've come off of the holidays and there is that high of anticipation, expectation, and then it comes and goes and then you're dealing with reality again and you're trying to get back into a routine. It's no different. You know, it's been proven that when people say purchase a new home, you have the hype and the excitement of buying that home and then you close on it. And that first day or two, it's almost like a honeymoon period. But then reality sets in and you start thinking about, oh, now I have to pay the mortgage. I have to pay the insurance. I have to pay the taxes. Well, it's not much different with the holidays in dealing with this time of year, too. So it again, it just is that January recipe of everything coming together. So physically, mentally, emotionally, we're dealing with all of these factors and it can bring our mood down. We're not getting the the outside motivation necessarily from the weather. But equally, then we have the weights of what's going on internally as we're thinking about all of these things we have to deal with. And also, too, you know, January is just one of those times a year when there's not necessarily a lot going on. And the human spirit needs something to look forward to. So we just don't have a lot to look forward to in January. And we are stuck in the house. I, that's true. It's colder. So you're not doing all the summer activities and, and outside as much. And of course, the days are shorter. So it gets dark sooner. And like you said about the sunshine, but not just about the vitamin D, but about the fact that, you know, it gets darker earlier. So you're in, you know, you're in the house more. And so that, that, that is true. So, 
So let's just say, assume that this is a true phenomenon. This is something that people go through. This may be some worse than others, but it is something that does occur uh, across the board. So what are some things that we can do to intentionally combat it, to fix it, uh, prevent it, uh, or at least treat it if we start feeling that way? Well, you know, one of the, another physical factor, I think, with January, um, and at least here in the Midwest, the North um, region of the U.S., is it tends to just physically look a lot more drab and dreary. And there is truth to the psychology of color. There are certain colors that actually affect us, and they can either um, lower our mood or they can lift it. And so one of the things that you can do is just surround yourself with more brightness of color. That can make a big difference. Um, have yourself tested by your physician. Are you vitamin D deficient? Many people are, and they don't even realize it. So if you are, then your doctor may prescribe for you to start taking a vitamin D supplement to help with that. Um, if you have financial issues, I strongly suggest that you work on creating a budget for yourself, something that you can stick to, and something that gives you that positive anticipation of seeing accomplishment so that you can pay something off. You know, a lot of times if you focus on one small bill, you know, what is it that I can get paid off that gives me a light at the end of the tunnel? That can be a huge mood lifter for a lot of people. Well, you mentioned about having something to look forward to, paying debts off, things like that. But what about things like maybe getting ready for a 5K or, or setting a goal to run a marathon or half marathon? But uh, but let me caution against resolutions. New Year's resolutions as on the surface, uh, and we've talked about this in years ago, but New Year's resolutions on the surface is kind of a false hope. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing, a resolution, if you think about the origin of the word resolution, it comes from the word resolve. Now, there are some people that resolutions work for, but I will tell you that they are the, the smaller percentage. If you resolve that you're going to do this and you keep your word to yourself, a resolution can work very well. But I will tell you for myself, what I found works even better is a one word focus. So every year, there's a one word that I actually use as something to put my attention to. And, and it's a filter, it's a lens that I run things through to see, am I living my life in line with that? So for instance, the last few years, I've had words like detox was one year, uh, rise was one of my one words, um, shine was last year, mine was reset. And so I did a lot of resets in my life. I did some physical things, some financial things, some emotional things. And my life is much better as a result of having done those. My one word is prosper. So I will ask myself often, if I make this decision or this choice, is that going to prosper me? Is it going to be bring prosperity in a physical level, you know, like you're talking about exercise, you know, setting a goal is very important. If I want to run a 5k, then I'm going to want to ask myself if sitting on the couch watching this TV show is going to bring prosperity toward achieving that goal or not. If it's not, then I need to make a different decision. So for me, the one word focus is something that has really helped and benefited. Well, you introduced me to one word, I don't know, probably three years ago or four. And 
ever since then, uh, I've been using that as well. And I do set goals every December, November, December. I start looking at my goals for the next year. I'm I'm really big on goals, whether whether it be my physical goals, spiritual goals, family goals, business goals. I set goals so that not too many, not not enough that overwhelms me, but enough that I can keep track of working towards something. So I think that by doing that and setting my one word, uh, not that not that the Blue Monday thing doesn't probably affect me some, but I, I kick the year off with a new set of challenges, new goals, new plans, and a one-word focus, and I kick the year off running. Now, that's my personality. I, I get that. But I'm running and charging towards those objectives to finish those goals with an end in mind. And maybe I just bypass right over that third Monday and don't. it doesn't really affect me because my mind is focused on positive things going forward rather than looking back at, all oh, the family's gone, the grandkids moved, went back home. And I'm not focusing on that. I'm not sitting around the house because I'm on the move. Yeah, and it's been proven. So the human mind cannot think two polar opposite thoughts simultaneously. You can try it and see if you can do it, but unless you cheat, there's no way to make it happen. So for instance, you cannot think of a little yellow chick, say, exactly at the same time that you're thinking of a big blue elephant. You know, yeah, you could cheat and try to stack them on top of each other. But I'm just saying to think distinctly opposite thoughts simultaneously, the human brain cannot do it. So one of the ways to offset Blue Monday is to become extremely intentional. What are some things that you can do to create those positive effects that you're talking to? One is to make sure that you build purpose into your life. Make sure that you have things to look forward to. Goal setting is huge. Um, You know, there's a new book that's actually getting ready to come out that I highly recommend written by Michael Hyatt. And it's called, I believe your best day ever. And a few years ago, I went through uh, Michael's um, launch course for this, if you will. And so um, it's all about preparing for that new year by setting goals in very specific ways. And I love what Michael does, because he doesn't just set the goal, but he really takes you on this journey where you look at why you want to accomplish this. And it really embeds that and strengthens that inside of you. Well, now he's written a book to go along with this. And it's just phenomenal because one of the things that it does is it keeps you from focusing on the negative because your brain is occupied by doing good things for yourself, by looking at achieving things and accomplishing things. And when we have a purpose, there's not room for all of that negativity to grow. So what was the name of that book? I think it's Your Best Day Ever, I believe is, is it, what the is title is. Is it the, the best book. day or the best year your best year ever? Um, you know what? I don't I don't know. It, but I'll I, look it up. And... I do I do recognize that the I of course Michael Hyatt and I do recognize the book, but I don't remember which one it is. And maybe he's written two of them along the same same lines, but um I, I, if it's the best, your, your best year ever, if it's that one, I was trying to get it on audio version the other day, and it's not available yet in audio. It um, is your best year ever. Okay, your best year ever. And and I haven't got the book. I've heard about it, and I, I'm much better with audio because I can read the book, quote, read it, listen to it while I'm doing other things. And then I can go back and listen to the stuff. And then if I really find great, great uh, value out of that, then a lot of times we'll buy the book so that I can go back over it and make notes and things like that. So I do like both ways. But for me, reading, I have to stop, sit down and spend time reading. And I find that I read less 
books that way. And that's one thing I do every year is try to consume at least 10 books a year. And some of that, of course, is through audio. And, and we're off track a little bit. But again, that that not really, because if you're if you do got a book to get through, whether it be fiction or nonfiction or the best year ever, something like that, your mind is focusing on the positive and moving forward uh, rather than thinking back on the past. And I think that's where a lot of the Blue Monday comes from is, again, you're around 20 days past the holidays and you're thinking back about what was, but you have nothing to look to what is to come. And that would make you kind of sad. Yeah. I mean, you know, when you think about it, depression is often based on the past. You know, we keep reviewing and reviewing all the things that we perceived have went wrong. Anxiety is based on what we fear about the future. But it's when we live in the present. And, you know, even if you have thoughts about the past, transform your thinking. What is it that you learned from that? What is that? What is it that you can take from that and help to grow your life into what it what you want it to become? Instead of worrying about the future, what are the steps you can take today to build that future now? Because what you plant today is going to determine what grows later. You know, and, and, you know, going back to Michael Hyatt, too, I'll tell you, there's another book that I recommend to Darren of his called Living Forward. Um, and it's a life plan book. You know, that's one of those things that I've done in my life. When things like Blue Monday are approaching is to, again, become very intentional. I know what's coming. That awareness by itself is a powerful tool. Because when I'm aware, I can prepare. But if I ignore it, or if, you know, sometimes you just have that unconscious thing of, you know, I don't know why I feel so bad. I don't know why I'm so down. It seems like there's a cloud hanging over me. Well, when you get this kind of awareness that says, you know, I know the third Monday of January is approaching. And so odds are that I may feel lower than I normally would. Well, when you have that awareness, you can do something about it. And so one of the things that I've done is I've become intentional about, you know, setting goals, working on life plans, and and not just in January, but all year round, you know, every new month, that's the opportunity for a fresh start. Every new month is an opportunity to say, hey, let's do a quick review of the previous month. What worked? Okay, well, instead of getting down about the things maybe that didn't work, let's focus first on the things that did. The things that didn't work, well, what can we do to improve that or do that better this month? But staying as present as you can while you learn from the past and while you have something to look forward to the future is a great way to avoid that melancholy or that depression that can come to us. Well, you know, for, for instance, police officers, you know, that they're in a car all the time. And so that, uh, you know, you, you just think, you think, you think, you think. And, and that could be something that, uh, again, if you're not listening to something or doing something, certainly you can start getting depressed. Uh, again, we're talking about this, this season, this time of year. Uh, and, you know, think, think happy thoughts. You know, that, I mean, I know that seems silly, but have something to look forward to is certainly uh, something you want to do to, to guard your mental health. But again, let's get back to thinking, okay, so we are maybe getting into a little bit of depression uh, around this time of year. What are some more things we can do to kind of pull our pull our bootstraps up and get on about it and get over this? Now, I'm not talking about clinical depression. I'm not putting light on depression or, oh yeah, get over it. I, I understand depression can be a real thing. I'm talking about 
we're just talking about just feeling blue, just feeling down, just feeling like, uh, you know, kind of got cabin fever and don't really feel like doing anything and kind of depressed. What can we do, Anita, besides what we've talked about, maybe to move forward even more? Well, and you're right. You know, there is that lethargic thing that can come on us in January. But I want to real quickly go back to what you just said. You know, clinical depression is a real thing. And if you have something that's lasting more than a few days, and especially if you have the kinds of thoughts that make you think, you know, maybe the world would be better off without me, or maybe my family would be better off without me, please immediately go seek help. Don't blow this off. If you are having those kinds of thoughts, and you're having them for a very extended period of time, this can be dangerous for you. So please get attention for that, get medical professional attention for that. But I'll say if it's just this kind of like blue Monday or, or, you know, this like kind of January, you know, like, oh my gosh, I'm so ready for spring type of a thing. There are some things you can do. You know, you were talking about the, the person riding in the car, whether it's a police officer or a paramedic or, um, you know, maybe if it's a 911 dispatcher sitting, you know, in front of the, the screen there, whomever it is, in those moments you have between the crises, make a mental plan. If you don't have the opportunity to write it down on a piece of paper or jot it into your notes in your phone or something like that, at least begin a mental list. And in that mental list, start putting together some strategies and some tactics that you can use to bring about the positive outcomes that you want for your life. Again, plant today for what you want to grow tomorrow. But if you begin to do that mentally while you're in those places, then when you reach that point where you have the opportunity as quickly as possible, write them down so you don't lose them. That can be huge. That by itself is a transformational type of activity that you can do. And even just getting involved in, like we talked about not setting goals, but just getting involved with friends and, and family and going out and doing things. And I think one of the biggest things, too, is recognizing that it's real recognizing that if you feel bad and it's not clinical, it's not something that's long lasting, then just get up, go do something. And 99% of the time you pull yourself right back out of it. And it isn't a long term problem. Yeah, and you're right. I mean, how many, t how many of us have had that thing where you're like, Oh, I don't feel like doing anything right now. I don't want to see anybody. I don't want to go anywhere. But then you force yourself to do it. And after a while, in the midst of it, you're like, Oh, man, I feel better. I'm really glad I got up. I'm glad I, I made myself do this. Well, it's very easy to fall into the trap of that habitual, oh, well, I don't feel like it, so I'm not going to do it. Listen, we can convince ourselves to feel good or feel bad. Self-talk is crucial. So what are you saying to yourself? Pay attention to that self-talk. Are you telling yourself you feel tired? Well, you know what? If you're telling yourself that, odds are you're going to feel tired. But equally, you can tell yourself, you know what? I have energy. I feel strong. I feel like doing something. Now you may not truly your your mental self-talk may not match what you feel in the moment, but what will happen if you do that enough, your feelings will follow what you tell yourself. So begin to change the way you speak to you. Yeah, I've I've always said that that uh, and you've heard this a lot of authors have said this that you are the product of the five people you spend the most time with. And just think about that. Think about who you work with, your friends, your family. Who do you spend the most time with? 
how do they talk? How do they walk? What are they like? What are they, what are they, are they interested in? And uh, you start becoming like them. Now, you may not be totally like them, but parts of them starts becoming you. All right. So you are the product of the five people you spend the most time with. Remember, you're one of those five. So what do you say to yourself in the mirror? You may not actually talk to yourself in the mirror, but what do you say to yourself? What is your self-belief? Are you fat? Are you old? Are you too skinny? Are you uh, a poser? Are you not good at your job? Are you, what, what, are you, what are you telling yourself? Because you are one of the five people. And so if you're not pouring into yourself positive, then you certainly can't expect other people to. And I'm not suggesting that we be arrogant and I'm better and I'm best at everybody. I'm not saying that, but but certainly we can't be downplaying ourselves all the time. And, and also back up a little bit, uh, being around people. You know, when we don't want to be around people, that's precisely the time we need to get up and have human a- interaction because we'll start deciding at that point, is it a clinical depression? If you're if you're if you're getting off work and you're going into your house and shutting the door, shutting the life life out away, and you're not being around anybody for an extended period of time, you might be ha- you might be having more problems than just feeling blue. Because I, I, there's sometimes I want to shut myself away for a day or two as well. I get it, a day or two. But if it starts turning into weeks. That's not normal. People are interactive. People want to be around. And if those black clouds of overwhelming emotion keep pulling you back and pulling you back, that's something you need to actually start looking at maybe PTSD or other type of secondary trauma. You may have a bigger problem than just having the wintertime blues, so to speak. Um, and, and another thing about about staying up and positive is your diet. You know, I have a tor- terrible diet. I'm not talking about diet losing weight. I'm talking about what we eat. You know, I am, uh, we are the product, actually, of what we eat. We have a car. We're a car. We're a vehicle. and We're putting fuel in it. You know, I am the sweetest person I know. <laughs> With as much sugar as I put in my body, I am, I, no wonder the ticks and chiggers come after me. I'm a sweet person. You know, my, maybe my attitude isn't always sweet, but I must taste sweet. But the problem is, Nanita, let me just be honest with you for a second. Um, I turned 50 a couple weeks ago. And it isn't a magical uh, tripwire, but, you know, my joints hurt a little bit more. And not just when I turned 50. It's been this way for a year. But the point is, my diet has really sucked. Um, Working a lot, uh, you know, with the the academy, with the podcast, we're getting ready to move into a new building. You know, uh, there's 50 million excuses we all have. But I don't eat right which now my joints hurt. I've gained 10 pounds, which means, you know, carrying around 10 pounds, put, put a 10 pounds of rocks on your back and carry them around all day, 10 pounds. And I think that also can make us feel a little bit blue. You know, this morning I, I you know, got dressed and was coming to the studio earlier, have a big day ahead of me. And, uh, you know, I looked in the mirror as I walked out. I'm like, ah, oh. you know, I see that belly. And I know, I my you know I don't have a big belly. I'm not fat, but to my mind, I have a big I have a belly. I'm 50 year old man, and you know what? You don't get rid of belly that fast. I used to run, I ran marathons, not no more. So now I tell myself, okay, loser, you ain't running. You're not you're not running a half marathon even. You've gained 10 pounds. You eat junk all the time, and you know you're going to be one of those people that uh, end up naked on somebody else's table for a heart attack, like. Because I'm not doing it right, right? So now that can put me in a little bit of depression. Now, not that I'm depressed, but that could. That could put me in a depression because I realize that's a problem. 
So now I just got to go fix it. And I guarantee you there's a listener out there right now uh, saying, that's me. That, that's me. You're, you're talking about me. You're looking, you're reading my mail because we get that a lot. And especially during the winter time, it's been cold. I've got, I seen somebody running the other day. It was five degrees outside and this person was running. And I actually thought, oh, I remember when I cared enough to run in five degrees. I thought it was kind of exhilarating. And I just shivered and went back in the, back in the office. See, that's bad. Yeah. And and this time of year, too, we are prone to be drawn to comfort foods. You know, I mentioned those just briefly earlier. Comfort foods, a lot of times are not good for us. And you talked about all the sugar, you know, sugar may make you, you know, sweet inside, but what comes out of you is not usually so sweet. Because it, it isn't good for us. You know, I my one word last year reset, one of the things that I've started is resetting my physical health. I dropped 20 pounds. It's amazing what a difference 20 pounds makes, you know, 10 pounds of extra weight, you know, you said you've gained 10. Well, that puts an extra 100 pounds of pressure on your knees. That's huge, especially as we begin to age. But we don't have to use aging as an excuse. Again, what are we telling ourselves? You know, you could fall into the trap of saying, Oh, well, I'm 50. I'm just getting older. I just have to deal with it. Baloney. You don't have to just deal with it. You know, the thing is, I know people in their 80s, their 90s, actually, who are so young at heart. A lot of it is because of what they tell themselves and because of the habits that they are so intentional about. You can make a change. You know, there are ways to get the sweet, maybe that your taste buds like, but get it naturally. I know for me, you know, there it's interesting. There's a couple of foods that I can eat them. And within seconds, I feel my energy just like skyrocket. One is watermelon. Another one is cucumbers. Now, some people don't like those foods, but start paying attention to your own body. When you eat certain foods, how do you feel afterwards? After you eat that food, do you suddenly feel heavier? Do you feel like almost drugged? Do you feel like you're getting a slight headache? If so, that probably was not a really good food for your body. But other foods, when you eat them, do you, they suddenly make you feel like getting up and doing more? Does your energy increase? Do you feel stronger and, and like you have more endurance? Those are things that you want to incorporate into your diet. And the exercise, I mean, you know, none of us likes to hear it, but here's the thing. The more you move, the better you feel. We do need to be intentional to get up and start moving. Exercise is one of the greatest weapons against depression, even clinical depression. It's one of the greatest weapons for sure against Blue Monday. Get up off of that couch and start moving. Get up and start going around those five people that you most want to influence you. Start exposing yourself to those positive things. Because what will happen is one step after one step after another, you're finally going to end up reaching the destination that you want to go to. Well, you know, I, I'll take offense to one thing you said. Uh-oh. You know, I, I know sugar is bad for us, but I'm going to use the same argument that others use for pot. It's all natural. It sugar cane grows naturally. It's, you know, it's got to be good for us. Marijuana grows naturally. It should all just be used in excess, right? Uh, yeah. Don't don't try to trap me with that, Darren. That's funny. Um, <laughs> okay, but but, <laughs> but here here's something you talking about how sugar makes you feel. Mm -hmm. uh, and 
again, we're a little bit on the nutrition side here, but it, but it is. The nutrition does go into the whole Blue Monday thing because, again, we've just come off of uh, holidays and all the food and all that. But so what, you know, I know, in, you know, medically, when you eat a lot of sugar, of course, then the body has to release a lot of insulin, you know, and you end up crashing. You have a sugar crash. And so that happens to me. And I and I sometimes know going forward that if I'm busy and I'm skipping lunch and I grab something that, that probably isn't as good for me, like, uh, you know, uh, a hamburger and I may uh, get a candy bar or something. Okay. So I know, I know that in about two hours, I'm going to be so exhausted. All I want to do is sleep. The reason is because the fuel I put in my body was junk and the, and the, the, the sugar high you're coming off of. And then, then, so to combat that, I've got the, I got the perfect combat for that. Okay. It's called Red Bull. <laughs> All right. So you drink Red Bull about two o'clock. Right. And that'll spike you back up again. And then, of course, you'll crash off that. Mm-hmm. See, that's that's the problem. And, and is that we get into these cycles. Now, I'm getting myself out of that cycle. But certainly during this, this busy time, I make excuses. But I get uh, I feel bad about the, the reasons I, I feel bad about the, the decisions that I've made which I agree could add to a little bit of, of blueness and depression. And I don't have, you know, with that sugar and stuff like I've been eating, I don't feel like running. I don't feel like doing this. I don't feel like getting up and doing it. Well, now I beat myself up because I know I should, but I don't feel like it. But it's my fault. I don't feel like it. Exactly, Darren. And, and the thing, I'm not anti-sugar, but I'm certainly very moderate sugar. But but even beyond that, you just brought up such a key point to this whole Blue Monday issue, and that is the guilt factor. When we carry all of this guilt because we've done things we know we shouldn't, that guilt brings us down even further. That guilt actually can be the catalyst for Blue Monday much more than anything else. So how do you offset that guilt? Well, you know, you can't go back and change what you did yesterday. But again, presently, in the present moment, what can you do differently? Because as much as it's true that guilt can bring us down, one success can shoot our mood up. So do one positive thing for yourself, one beneficial thing for yourself today. Doing one thing then can inspire you to do that next thing and the next thing that are good for you. And again, remember, when you're aware, you can prepare. So what is it that you need to be aware of that maybe you've been ignoring, you've been shoving down, trying to pretend doesn't exist? What are those guilt things that you're trying to tell yourself, oh, it's no big deal, or they don't bother you. But in reality, your subconscious mind knows better. And so it's been weighing on you. Well, you know what, when you face it, and you acknowledge it, and you deal with it, it no longer holds power over you. Well, that's very true. Uh, not and, and let me say this, not just in, you know, you feel guilty over not running, not exercising, eating sugar. Anything that you've got in your life that's holding you as a secret. Uh, if you're if you're addicted to pain pills, well, you can't tell anybody. If you're, if you're addicted to alcohol because, you know, your alcohol problems gotten out of control, uh, pornography, um, you know, anything that, anything that you've got in your life that's a secret, the secret holds the power. And, and I'm not, I, you know, I, I'm decidedly Christian. I'm open on this show that I'm Christian, and I'm not asking, telling you you're right or wrong. I'm telling you I'm Christian. And one thing I believe as a Christian is 
that the reason why sometimes we stay in our condition that we're in is because we don't confess what we've done and we keep it a secret. So uh, Satan can use that against us as by not telling us. But once that's out of the open, it it may be hurtful. There may be problems. And I'm not saying you stand up and tell the public you're, you're addicted to pornography. I'm not saying that. You tell someone of trusted, uh, trusted, and then you start working through it. Well, now all of a sudden it's not a secret. Somebody knows. Now you can talk about it. Now you can say, oh, you know, I really struggled, you know, this weekend. I really uh, struggled with wanting to pornography, but I did this and did this. Now you've got help. So I don't care if it's your pain pills that you hurt your back three years ago and you're still addicted to, or you're sneaking away and getting on the internet at two in the morning to look at pornography. Any secret you have is going to cause depression in your life because you know you're wrong, maybe. You maybe think it's wrong. And if you do think it's wrong, it's guilt, but you have no way to get rid of that guilt because you won't tell nobody. Again, different show, but be careful who you tell. Find a trusted advisor, a trusted person. You know, you might not go to your wife the first time and say, look, I'm addicted to pornography. That might not be the first person you tell. I'm not saying that you don't need to have that conversation with your wife. I'm saying you might want to say, I had an addiction to pornography rather than I have. So, you know, I don't know if it's a pastor. I don't know if it's a, a clergy of some type or a best friend, but find somebody. I don't even if it's not pornography. I know I keep hitting on that, but, but pills or go to your doctor and say, you know, I'm still bought these pills. I want off of this. What can I do to get off it? Well, now the doctor can help you, right? Mm-hmm. Again, that is going to add to your depression. Um, because you've got all these other factors this time of year, and then you're guilty because of that too. And you say, well, I can't do this because, you know, and then, and I don't know what brought this up, but another thing about this time of year is the holidays did just come through Christmas and New Year's and all this, and we want to spend time with family. But what about those out there that are divorced or, or they don't have access to their children? You know, maybe there was a divorce and there's a custody battle or the something's happened somehow, and they do not have the... Maybe the relationship, or maybe they're adult, they don't have a relationship, but maybe it's that the children are still children, and you don't have access. You know, that, that that could cause this time of year to be even more depressing, because I didn't get to see my girls on Christmas, or I didn't get to see my son on the New Year's. You know, I've never had that problem personally, but I know that there's people that do. Um, my son... My my son suffers that issue because of a divorce, so I know he has issues during Christmas, and, and we talk about that, but we talk about it openly. I know he's upset. I know this, and so we, you know, he don't get to see his girls like he wants to. Um, bad divorce situation. So, but he talks about it rather than bottle it up. Bottle it up is when you're not dealing with it, you know. So, Anita, just speaking to that for a second, and then I want to change the subject to um, uh, this code word that we use. Well, and I think what you brought up is so relevant, especially for those who work in emergency services. You know, Darren, we know from the research that we've done and the experience um, from speaking to groups and now having written a book on it, that the percentage is so high in people who work in emergency services for divorce, for people to be separated from their children, maybe even their grandchildren, depending on their age. Um, so it's very relevant that maybe where other people are celebrating, all that does is makes you even sadder because here it is the special time of year, but you're just lonely. That's a real thing. It's really hard. The other thing that I think about 
is because you serve in emergency services, not only may you potentially be dealing with personal issues of that nature, but even if you are or whether you aren't, you're certainly dealing with more of it in the public that you serve because there's a higher incident of suicides during the holidays. There's a higher incidence of domestic issues during the holidays. So there's actually an increase of stress on the job that you deal with. And in the aftermath of that in January, when you have time to slow down and absorb all that you've dealt with, whether you deal with it consciously or subconsciously, you're going to deal with it. That accumulating effect can really cause you to be deeply depressed, or at the very least have that cloud over your head. And you know, you were talking about secrets. We don't keep secrets. Secrets keep us. They keep us in bondage. But sometimes for people who work in this field, the secret that you keep is how the job itself is affecting you. Exactly right. Which brings up, and I think we just want to talk about this. We talked about it a couple weeks ago, but it kind of fits this subject here. You know, the, the book that Anita and I just finished, uh, Code, uh, and code stands for something, C-O-D-E, and that's what I want to, that's the part I want to talk about here. Um, C-O-D-E, what does that stand for, Anita? Well, the C in code, so code is an acronym, and C stands for communication. O is objective, D is dedication, and E is engagement. Um, these are all important aspects for those who serve the public in emergency services. Um, you know, it's it's a book that we've poured our hearts and souls into, Darren, and, and I'm very proud of what we've been able to do because we care about the people who care for others. Um, you know, Code is one of those books, you know, the subtitle of it is um, Living Healthy, Happy, and Whole Submerged in Tragedy, Trauma, and Death. We understand each and every day Almost you are exposed to things that other people could not even imagine. You see things and they get imprinted in your mind and you carry that. And sometimes that becomes the secret because you feel like you can't talk to your loved ones about it because you don't want to expose them to the things that you deal with. But equally, you're afraid to talk to your peers because you don't want to look as if you're weak or as if there might be an issue with you doing your job. So you keep that you internalize that and you keep it a secret, but then you're bound and you feel trapped. And so what we want to do is we want to give voice to that. This is a real thing. This is not someone's imagination. It doesn't make you bad as a person or bad at your job, but this is a reality. It's a side effect of what you do each and every day. Exactly right. And that's what this book deals with. It's it's based on real stories, real situations. It deals with uh, five different fields, fire, uh, paramedic, police, coroner, medical examiner, death investigators, and uh, 911 operators, 911 call takers and operators, dispatchers. And each section has a different, has like four different stories in there, uh, real life stories that, that has occurred. And then how it affected the character in that story, the police officer, for instance, how it affected them, the 911 dispatcher. They had to deal with something real life. We detail it in, in their full details. And then how did they have to deal with it? Now, I, I bring all of that up because th- about this topic, at the end of each one of those stories, this C-O-D-E, this code is there about how how 
did they deal with this well? How did they deal with this not so well? What could they have done better? And if we apply this communication objectiveness, if we apply all of that to some of these situations, it will help us get through it better in the next situation that we are really involved in. Okay, so with this being the middle of January, it's kind of a depressing time of the year, same thing applies. What are you facing now that's causing some of that blueness, causing some of that depression, and how can you communicate that better? How can you look at it objectively? How can you continue to get past these issues? Um, And of course, this book isn't just about Blue Monday. This book is about real life every single day of, of what we face. And another thing, Anita, I'll, I'll put it back to you, but another thing that I really liked about this book, and I didn't mean to get off on this book so far, but it, it fits this, is that it gives us a light into the into what another industry is facing. So I know what 911 dispatchers do, but by reading these stories and being involved in this research and these interviews, it has totally opened my eyes to more of what they are facing and they're not only that their mental health and what they have to hear and take home you know uh, one of the one of the things one of the quotes from the I am 911 movement uh, somebody had put uh, said something like I was on the phone with you when you took your last breath after wrecking your four-wheeler 911 dispatcher deals with that first long before the coroner gets there long before the police get there long before the ambulance gets there the 911 dispatcher is on the phone while the person is dying or or they're trying to give aid or so I got a glimpse into that firemen oh you know the fire dogs they're just out you know put the wet stuff on the hot stuff and that's all they do well you know that's not really true they face a lot of stuff too I, I see a lot more death than a fireman but think about a fireman going to a car wreck and they're mangled up and a kid's been decapitated well that fireman he don't see that. He sees fire. And now he has to live with that. How does that affect him? Or how does destroy, you know, it's really opened my eyes to what these other industries uh, are going through and then how they can overcome some of the uh, things that they face, like addictions and marital loss and, of course, depression and feeling bad. Uh, so so how with the, with the code acronym, how has that kind of affected you, Anita, and what would you promote someone to do with that? Well, I... We know, Darren, because, you know, code is based on true stories. You know, some of the stories are written pretty much verbatim based on an individual situation. But most of the stories, frankly, are compilations because there's so much similarity out there. And I think that's a key. You know, whether it's Blue Monday or uh, whether it's a hot day in July, it doesn't matter whenever you are weighted down by the things that you carry, it feels really lonely. It, it can often make you feel as if you're the only person no one else would understand. But I think one of the great insights that we got from writing this book is the similarities across different fields. So you're correct, you know, 911 dispatchers, you know, they're sitting there. And I think one of the unique things about what they deal with is, is they're blind. So everything is just auditory for them. And sometimes when that call ends, they don't even find out what the outcome was. I think about that, you know, them carrying that. Don't you think that sometimes in the privacy of their thoughts, they wonder what happened? And yet so often they don't get those answers. But it's not much different for the paramedic who delivers, you know, a victim to a hospital and then doesn't find out what happened from there. 
or the law enforcement officer, you know, who is on scene and they don't necessarily know what happens once that person or that body is put into the hands of a death investigator or a coroner. So all of these people, maybe the, the circumstances, there's some difference in the details, but there's so much similarity in what it does to them emotionally. That was a big insight that I got from writing the book. And I think the other thing is just the reminder that what works in one field oftentimes will parlay into another. So there's as much as there's similarity in the issues, there's similarities in the solutions and the resolutions for, for these situations. And one of the greatest things is just, again, knowing that you're not alone and that there are people you can talk to. And maybe if you can't talk to someone in your specific field, maybe having the awareness and understanding that there's someone in another emergency services field that would get it. And so maybe that can become a safe place to vent. Yes. And, and Anita, I think that's a great place to end our conversation um, I appreciate you coming into the studio and spending some time today to talk about this Blue Monday thing. And, of course, we talk about code. Uh, you're always an inspiration, and you bring such great uh, information when you come every time. And I do appreciate that so much. Thank you, Darren. It, it really is my honor. Um, I, I'm just so appreciative of everyone who works in these fields. And, and again, as we, we said it in the book, but I just want to say it here again. Thank you. Your hard work matters. Your hard work is noticed and it's making a huge difference. All right. I'm back live with you here, so to speak. Great conversation. I really enjoy every time I can get together with Anita and have a conversation with her about uh, common trauma issues, mental health, family, things like that. She's a wealth of information and accessible. If you want to have a conversation with her through email or something like that, you certainly can find her through our website. She's also an instructor for the Academy uh, and she's highly sought after. In fact, she, you know, un undoubtedly she gets the best uh, evaluations from all the students. So, uh, you know, she's, she's just a great person. And so, you know, if you stuck with us this long and you're still got uh, the earbuds in your ear, either A, you're on a long run and you can't shut me off yet, or B, this episode has resonated with you more, and so you have continued to listen. And I and I hope that we have given you something today to be able to help you going forward. Uh, you know, to get out of this, the, the little wintertime blues and and any depression and anything you may be facing to kind of get your feet back up and running again. So, you know, like I say, every single week, find a way to be a blessing because that's another way to get out of the wintertime blues. Uh, anytime, anytime blues. It's to be a blessing, holding the door open for someone, smiling at someone, anything like that is a blessing. And we're going to end the show today just a little bit differently than we normally do, just to kind of get us back up in a happy spirit. And so, but I will say again, as I end the show every single week, be safe, everyone. Everyone, be vigilant, be on guard, watch your back. I'll talk to you next week. It might seem crazy what I'm about to say Sunshine, she's here, you can take a break I'm a hot air balloon that could go to space With the air, like I don't care, baby, by the way huh. Because I'm happy Clap along if you
Wednesday.